Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Jill Morley is an award-winning screenwriter and documentary filmmaker. Her feature documentary, Fight Like a Girl, is about women using boxing to fight their demons and empower themselves. In addition to her many award-winning screenplays and films, she's a contributing writer to periodicals like The Village Voice, Bust Magazine, The New York Press, and a producer for radio documentaries like NPR's This American Life and The World. Her short stories and monologues are published in several anthologies. And aside from her prolific writing and screen career, Jill started boxing at the age of 40, and she's now a retired boxing champion. Yep, in 2015, she won the Masters Division of the National Golden Gloves as a light fireweight. Wow, (laughs) that's so awesome. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Jill. Oh, thanks, Emily. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you're joining us today. We were introduced by Jen McGowan of Glass Elevator. She realized that our audience needed to hear from you, and I needed to as well. So I am very thrilled that you could be here with us. Oh, me too. Jen's actually a really good boxer. I've been training her for about four or five years. I think she failed to mention that when I talked to her. You're kidding. Of course, she was being humble. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. So you're from Yonkers, New York. Is that right? Well, I was born in Yonkers, but I really grew up in New Jersey. So I kind of relate more to New Jersey. It's like you're like a North Jersey girl. Yeah. <laughs> and something I would never have admitted to like 20 years ago, but it's now- <laughs> Well, I'm a South Jersey girl, so I get that. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> proud of it now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you end up like, so 20 years ago, you, you wouldn't have wanted to admit you're from Jersey, but now you're okay with it. How did you end up in Hollywood? You know, I moved to New York right out of college and I was an actress. I studied theater in college. And then I would do one woman shows where I played characters based on real people. But then what I realized is I'd rather have the real people talk themselves. And so I started making documentaries. I'd rather point the camera at them than play them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I started, you know, making documentaries. And then I guess in 2008, the editor I wanted to work with for my documentary, Fight Like a Girl, lived in LA. And Mm -hmm. my husband got a job here And so we moved and it was great, you know, and I'd always been wanting to move. I was so sick of the cold weather in in New York and I felt like I had done New York, you know, Mm -hmm. I was there for almost 20 years. So, so you were in the documentary filmmaking scene in New York, but then you got transferred to LA for fight like a girl. And I would love to hear more about that film. You know, you've made this incredible documentary. It's called fight like a girl. It's about women in the boxing community and you said that you were doing one woman shows and you wanted to turn the camera on others, but this documentary is also about you, right? Well, I'm in it. <laughs> I always, I never want to be in what I do, but I always wind up in them. I don't know how <laughs> it happens. Um, this time it's because I was going to just be the glue that held everything together because I really wanted to focus on the other women. I was fascinated by them. But certain events happened during the making of the film that had to do with 
my depression, my post-traumatic stress disorder. And I realized that by turning the camera on myself, I could help others who went through some of the things that I went through. So while it was very difficult to be that vulnerable, I felt like it was going to help people and it would be worth it in the end. That's interesting. So you've said that your quote was, it's basically that we were confronting our demons through competitive boxing and we were using boxing as a way to heal. Is that what you're referring to? That is absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. So it's more than just about sport. How much of the documentary would you say is focused on the sport and how much would you say is is focused on other aspects of women's inner lives? It's like telling any story, you need a vehicle to talk about the characters, right? And Mm -hmm. the characters are always the most important. So in this story, boxing is used, you know, so it's not like about boxing. It's really about how these women are navigating their lives through boxing. And also that, you know, especially when I made it, it's, you know, it's kind of a sexist kind of, it's a sexist career where, you know, men get paid more. In the beginning, they weren't really taking the women seriously to train them in the gyms. Now it's a whole different story, I have to say. I mean, because it became an Olympic sport. I see a lot of male trainers that are excited to train the women. And as a result, we're getting a lot of really talented, skilled fighters. So that's been really wonderful to see. And as far as the boxing being healing, I'm a coach now. And I tend to teach women who have, sometimes women have been abused or they've been through certain things in their lives. And this helps give them confidence back. Like Mm -hmm. it helps them take back their lives. So this one woman I was teaching said she used to wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares of someone breaking in and grabbing her. And um, I guess she had had something similar happening in her past. But after she learned how to box, she said those nightmares went away. It allowed her to exercise her agency or to have the confidence that she would be able to. Absolutely. And I've heard other stories like that of just people feeling more comfortable walking down the street or being able to sleep better at night. When I was making my film, it wasn't as such a big deal. There was not a Me Too movement. There was not talk of you know, women being victimized so much. Mm-hmm. And now I think people are more open to it or open to training. More women are, especially older women. Yeah, oh, that's another question I want to get to, but let's get to that later. I want to go back to something you said about the state of boxing when you were starting to get into making this film. Just so I understand, is this when you were starting to get into boxing yourself or did you start getting into boxing much, much after or much before rather? I started getting into boxing around the same time of the film. And when I was meeting the women and I'd already made a documentary, I know how hard it is. It's like pulling a huge weight on your back Mm -hmm. (laughs) in independent film, you know, because you have to raise the money, you have to do everything. So, but when I met the women, I thought, no, this is worth attempting because I really want to show the world who these women are. So as I was learning how to box, I was getting to know them and really showing their lives. Like one of them's a pro, two of them were pros. And one of them was a woman trying to win the Golden Globes. And she did. And then there was just me, the filmmaker who just was kind of doing it. I really wanted to fight in the Golden Gloves and win the Golden Gloves. But I also just knew that my body needed to do it. Like there was some instinct in me that knew I needed to fight. Wow. I was curious about that because, you know, you're a boxing coach and I do want to get into like everything you're doing to help young women as well. But just back to that one question you just brought up, do you have to like to fight to be a boxer or, you know, you said you, you felt that fight in you. Is is it about fighting? The thing is I train people who don't want to fight in the ring. 
However, they, they're sparring, you know, and they enjoy the sparring because it's such a challenge. And also, I had mentioned this to you before, just about how a lot of people are fighters who may not be physical people, but like, you know, for example, you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You have to fight <laughs> for your place. A filmmaker, an artist, a writer, anyone, you have to fight to get where you want to be. No one's going to hand it to you. And that's actually what I tell people before they get in the ring. No one's going to give you a win. You have to take it. You know, right. and that's not something women are used to hearing. I mean, I'm just thinking of like how much of boxing is a sport versus how much of it is like being in a fight. Well, I mean, it's not for everybody. You know, it's not for everybody to come in and fight. Like the training in and of itself, it's very strategic with the way I teach. It's not just people coming in and throwing hands at each other. It's like, you know, step to the side and then pivot and then you throw this and this is how you block. And, you know, those are the things that you can enjoy learning without ever having to go and fight. You know, mm-hmm. I love Jillian Michaels workouts. And a lot of times she'll say like when you're doing, you know, different exercise moves, she'll be like, you know, that's your opponent right there. Punch, punch. Like, so do you get that burst of kind of like anger when you're throwing a punch? I used to much more now, not so much. I think I worked through it through the boxing. <laughs> I mean, I think I'll always have a feisty, I don't really spar anymore, but if I just play around and someone catches me with something, I do feel that little like, oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> I want to hit him back, you know, that's a fighter. You know, I just don't want to continue because, you know, I need my head for my writing. Like <laughs> no more concussions, please. <laughs> I'm good. Oh my gosh. Have you had concussions? Yes, I have. I have. I mean, it's a dangerous sport. I don't want to like put, oh, like, oh, it's so empowering and great. Everyone should do it. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. But you could also get very hurt. As they say, you don't play boxing. Right. I'd like to get a good understanding of what it was like in the boxing sport at this time. So it was around 2008 when you were getting involved in boxing. What was the state um, of this boxing community? Was it welcoming to women? I mean, it depends on where you went. I mean, by then it was better than it was in the 90s, you know, or in Mm -hmm. 2000. But still, you know, there were very few women in boxing gyms. There wasn't always people who wanted to train women. But there are certain gyms like where I trained at Gleason's Gym in Brooklyn that was very open to women training and encouraged it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went there through Maureen Shea who actually sparred with Hillary Swank for Million Dollar Baby. Oh, wow. So she helped me. She sparred with me too and helped me learn how to box. So there's places like that also. But at that time, boxing was not allowed in the Olympics yet. Hmm. And it was kind of felt like we were like an underground group of women who like subversive women, you know, like (laughs) it just wasn't something that people did. Whereas now, you know, you see it on TV. It wasn't seen on TV. You know, it wasn't, the women were not getting paid that much. It's very hard for a woman to go pro because you basically have to spend all your time training, but wait, you have to have a full-time job too, because you don't make that much when you do get to fight. And there's not that many fights that you can do because so few women fight, you know, and then the talent pool doesn't go so deep because there's so few women. Whereas that's changing now. And there's like a really great talent pool of women and a lot more skilled women because uh, people want to train them. And a lot of trainers will say, well, the women, they really listen and they're focused and they don't just try to like 
hit the pad hard with bad technique, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of enjoyed training women. Oh, that's great. Well, at the time that you started thinking about making this film and getting, you know, getting the film off the ground, you were already enmeshed in the boxing community at that time? No, not really. I just had a really interest in it. And I just really wanted, I had something inside of me that wanted to fight. And I think it was just instinct that knew that if I learned it, I would heal from something. Well, I'm curious. Well, I want to hear more about that. But I'm I'm just curious how you were able to get the film made. If there wasn't a ton of interest in women's boxing at the time, you mentioned Million Dollar Baby, Mm -hmm. which I I guess gave uh, some awareness to the sport. But how were you able to get the film made? Especially you were training at the same time, right? Yeah, no, it was really, really difficult. I was training and I also had a video business that was very active at the time where I did corporate videos. So there's basically Mm -hmm. not really that much downtime. And, you know, I'm married, so I have to have like a relationship with my husband, you know, right? (laughs) Helps to see your husband once in a while. Yeah, it was a lot. It was very stressful. It made me never want to do another documentary again, which I always say, and then I always start another one. But yeah, it, it was difficult. I luckily, because of the money I was making from my corporate videos, I could finance some of it. I also had some people donating to it because I had a fiscal sponsor, which just means that I was associated with a non-for-profit mm-hmm. so that if people donated, it would be you know tax deductible for them. But it was, you know, it's basically like pushing a rock up free solo. It was like pushing a rock <laughs> up like a cliff because yes. it's just you're doing everything on your own almost everything, unless you have the money to hire other people. And then of course, you know, you do have the people who want to collaborate for a while, but they're never going to be as invested as you are, you know, unless you're paying them. Right. So it's, um, it's just a very difficult thing to do. And like you said, the interest in women's boxing, it was like, oh yeah, we want to see this. I was told people don't like to see women fight. Mm-hmm. That's what I was told at the time, you know, and of course this is also before Ronda Rousey, became a big deal. Women in MMA started to take off. So it it was very difficult. Yeah. I mean, these women in your film are extremely talented and they aren't getting their fair share in recognition or pay compared to men's boxing. So was it your goal to help them in that way or just to bring recognition to the sport? Was that part of your purpose? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when people see how hard these women work every day, also doing a full-time job like me, you know, also doing their other work and in a relationship or not, you know, but just trying to balance all that and then just being physically exhausted from the training. I mean, it takes so much out of you, you know, and also I was started when I was 40. So it wasn't like I was, you know, spring chicken energy, you know. Yeah, you just mentioned you started boxing at the age of 40, which some people think that's so old, but I guess it depends how old you are. Because if you're over 40, you no longer think that. Now I think 40 is young. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but still, like, what made you do that? Because most athletes, let's face it, most athletes are retiring by that age, right? Yeah. Like I used to play tennis. I played collegiate tennis for a division one school for Villanova. I think I told you that. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I like, you know, fitness stuff and fighting stuff. And then I realized that I wanted to, before I got too old, I wanted to fight. I always wanted to fight. So I thought, you know what, let me just try to do this. I think I can do it. I hit hard, you know, why not? And it was a great challenge to have because also in my 
professional life, while my work often gets recognized artistically, it doesn't get recognized monetarily. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it wasn't, it's not totally fulfilling, you know? So I thought this might give me some fulfillment in some ways. Yeah. I mean, it is a very physical and it's even violent. You mentioned you've got, you've had concussions. Were you worried about your health when you were, was that part of your thought process? Or were you like, I'm still strong enough. I can, you know, were you not worried about that? No, I mean, you can't be worried about that if you're going to get in the ring, you know, then don't get in the ring. You know, you just Mm -hmm. don't like, I go in thinking, okay, I'm not going to get hit. Yeah. I really seriously think that when I go in. And now actually I don't get hit that much. Or if I do, it's not like a solid hard shot, you know, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Is that because you're just better at, at fending off the blows? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, after, I mean, you know, I learned my biggest thing was defense. Now I teach it first because I just say, look, once you learn how to defend, you're going to have more confidence. You are not not going to be as, as nervous in there, right? Because you're going to know that they can't hurt you. And I think that's a great thing to have in your arsenal. Did you grow up around boxing? Was it something you had tried as a child or were you a fan of boxing? How did you first discover it? Uh, well, my dad boxed in the Marine Corps, but I didn't really know him then. And then, of course, growing up, we watched fights on television. You know, I'm old, so it was Muhammad Ali and then later Mike Tyson and all that stuff. And I was always attracted to the sport. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that women could fight, but I played tennis, which, guess what? That's also hitting things, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you wear a skirt. You were involved in the sport. I mean, you were getting better and better. And you had it set in your mind that you wanted to fight and win the Golden Gloves Award. Can you tell us what is the Golden Gloves Award and how long it took you to get to that point? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're leaving out some serious, like I had a mental breakdown. Like (laughs) I got worse before I got better. I had like a total mental breakdown because of um, it brought up post-traumatic stress disorder from, you know, abuse I received when I was young. So when I was getting hit, my body was wired to react in an old way, let's say. So I wasn't being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. I was being sent back to a time when I was being abused, you know? So, and then I kept doing it and I eventually overloaded my body until I had, I literally had a mental <laughs> breakdown, you know? This sort of started coming up for you when you started boxing? Yeah, when I started sparring, when I started hard sparring. Mm-hmm. I would get rocked and then I would just have this feeling of like a memory of it, you know? Was it a memory of that came back to you that you didn't know you had until then? No, I knew I had it, but I went through talk therapy. I worked it out, but there's nothing like body therapy. (laughs) You can Mm -hmm. talk all you want, but if you're getting hit the same way you got hit when you were a kid, your body's wired to just respond in that old way. So I was brought back to it childhood response, if that makes sense. Did you have to go, you know, enter a new type of therapy to deal with that? Um, Yeah, I did. I had to do, I did EMDR. I basically wound up in a mental institution (laughs) from boxing, you know, from pushing it because I Mm -hmm. thought I shouldn't be reacting like this. This is stupid. I should just be able to spar like everyone else, you know? And then after that, I had to go very, very slowly I still wanted to box, you know, and I had to go very, very slowly back into the, and it's almost like exposure therapy. So you go in and then, so the punches aren't so hard. And once they start to get too hard or you start getting overwhelmed, 
they back off. I went to work with people who are very good to me in sparring, you know, that, and, and I do that now with people I work with is if I see them getting overwhelmed, I'll back off, I'll let them take a breath and then I'll go again, you know, and then pretty soon you build up this resistance and hopefully you can take that kind of pressure. And maybe some people don't, but I really wanted it badly. So, so I did. So you recognized that the physical blows were setting you off into like a post-traumatic stress situation and you sought help, but you still wanted to continue to do it, even though you knew it was bringing you back to that place because it was a sort of like a exposure therapy. And so that's why you kept doing it. Well, I knew I ha- I just felt like I had to do it. And I was very upset with myself. I thought this is something I should be able to do. Not to mention, guess what? I'm making a movie about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and I've already spent all this time and money and energy. And, you know, for me to drop out, it just didn't, you know, it makes sense to me. So I, I felt like I just had to do it. And, I, and deep inside me, I knew there was, I could do it. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where I actually tell one of the girls that inspiring is like, maybe I'm delusional, but I think I can do this. And eventually I was able to, but it did, it took me a long time and probably longer because I had to overcome that PTSD stuff. Yeah. And then, so you won the golden gloves award. What did that bring you happiness or was it just, you know, further kind of exacerbation of the pain that you were experiencing? Oh no. I mean, by that time, you know, that was nine years later. Mm-hmm. I had been boxing for nine years. I had eight fights or something by then. And by then it was just kind of like, it was just a joyous thing. I almost stopped boxing at that point. Cause I'm like, okay, I feel like, you know, I got my fights in, I have a decent record. I'm good. But then there was a woman who was around my size who'd been wanting to fight and it was the national golden gloves. And I thought, well, you know what? I've never fought in a tournament. Um, I had to fly out to Florida and it would be great to give this woman a fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I went out to Florida and it was a tournament. I won the fight. That's so awesome. And then she wound up winning it next year. So that was <laughs> cool too. She's a nice, nice lady. That's great. Well, I, I'm sure it's a somewhat close in the community, not being too big, right? Exactly. <laughs> we all know each other. Yeah. We all have like Facebook groups and all that stuff. Well, I want to get into your post-fighting career because you're a boxing coach. You've retired from from actually fighting, but you're a boxing coach, coaching women and men. Can you talk about that and how you're incorporating what you've spoken about as far as how it, it helps you fight your eternal demons? The coaching of it? Yeah, like how you're able to help other women do that for themselves. I think by teaching them this stuff, it gives them some confidence. Like the story that I mentioned about the woman who had nightmares and t- mm-hmm. about people attacking her until she really got competent with the boxing. There's something real to that. There's also something real to, you know, you're going to maybe get a little swagger in your step and you're going to be less likely to be preyed upon. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, you're physically getting stronger. We're not, especially as we're not encouraged to like use our arms and get strong. When I grew up, just looking buff, you know, is not a thing. You wanted to be thin and dainty and all that stuff. But you like having muscles and being mm-hmm. strong. And, and now that's more in vogue too. But it just feels good to be strong. It feels good to be able to pick things up and move them around and, you know, just yeah. know that you have power. And what about the healing aspect of it? Because you had mentioned that it helps people to heal. I think just by giving them confidence in things, 
you're basically, you're throwing yourself in the fire and you're getting out of it, you know, especially if you're sparring. So if you're sparring or if you're fighting, it's like you just went and did like probably one of the most scary things someone can do (laughs) voluntarily, right? Mm -hmm. That like skydiving, it's up there. And then you step out of the ring and whether you win or lose the fight, you just got in there with someone whose every intention is to knock you out and you survived it. So whether you won that fight or not, you know, you survived it. And then as you go, you're going to want more, you're going to want to win the fight, you know, but just knowing that you could handle that kind of thing. And not many people have been through that experience, you know, and once you have, it's just kind of a nice feeling to have. Yeah. Do you think boxing helps women in their other careers? Oh yeah, absolutely. It gives you more confidence. I know too, I don't feel intimidated by most men, you know, I just, <laughs> it sounds horrible, but I'm like, oh, I could take him. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you know, w- w- what's he going to do? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, not that I'm physically, you know, intimidated, but you know, I'm teaching men now, like I, they have to listen to me, you know, and if they don't, they get hit in the head, you know? <laughs> This is how it is. Yeah, it's just confidence, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Aside from boxing, you're still working as a screenwriter and documentary filmmaker, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so can you share a little bit about what you're working on now? What are your current projects? Sure. Well, I'm trying to give more time to my writing. You know, I basically went from documentary filmmaking to screenwriting about four years ago. And I have one screenplay called See Jane Fight about actually a a young female MMA fighter who has to overcome her PTSD (laughs) in order to, you know, become a professional and beat her demons. And that one has won some competitions and has been getting some good, you know, reviews and feedback. I have um, a producer and a director attached now, and I'm still really working on learning the craft of screenwriting. I do not have it licked at all. So that's what I'm, I've been working on lately. And then I also have another documentary, which I swore I wasn't going to do, but I have a friend that went missing in 1996 and um, mm. she was in my first documentary stripped ever since she went missing. I, I just, you know, honestly, I think about her every day and why she was never found, why there was not more information available to the public about what happened And I've been investigating it myself. So I've been working on with some other people. We're basically suing the police of that town, um, Mm -hmm. trying to get the public records because for some reason they won't release them. Wow. That is quite an undertaking. Are you, I mean, are you concerned for your safety? No, I live in LA. They're in New Jersey. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's not like I'm doing anything. I'm not saying anything horrible about them. In fact, I'm not saying anything about them. All I'm trying to do is get a public record that should be available. I'm not trying to do anything bad to them. I'm just saying, please, you know, we would like to see what you've done or what's been going on for the last 25 years because we don't know why the police won't talk to me anymore. And yet the judge at the hearing, the hearing was yesterday, the judge said, well, the person who probably knows the most about this case is Jill Morley. Really? And I'm thinking, well, isn't that interesting? Shouldn't the police be the ones that know the most about the case? And then also, why won't they talk to me? Like, they refuse to talk to me. You know, it's been a long, slow thing, but it's another one of those things that I I can't give up on it. And I'm going to just stay in there as long as I can. Yeah. Trying to figure out what happened because, you know, she was a stripper and we believe 
that she maybe the case was not handled the way it would be if she was not. Right. Like if they could say like, you know, suburban mom of two, maybe it would have been handled differently. And she was a mom. She was a mom. She had a 10 year old kid at the time and she wrote for the village voice. She was a Mm -hmm. smart woman, but she had a lot of issues. She had mental problems and, and drug problems and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But again, back then it wasn't looked at the way it is today. It's, it was more just looked down upon and judged rather Mm -hmm. than, gee, how can we help this person? You know? So that is something I've been working on, but I'm also being careful about it because I can't put anything out into the world that would, I don't know, say anything that could get me sued is basically what I'm worried about. So Mm -hmm. I'm being very careful about it. Treading lightly, you have your attorneys on that, I guess. Yeah. Helping you with that. Not many people have friends that good. That's something, you know, that you should be proud of that you're doing for her. It is, but you know, I've got to be honest too and say it's also, it's a bit selfish because, you know, that could have happened to me the way I was living my life back then. I was also a stripper. I also had been, had a bout with drugs. I had also made not the best decisions. And, you know, a lot of my friends had been down that road too. And we were just lucky. We didn't get into a bad situation, you know? So it's not completely, you know, oh, this is for my friend. It's like, you know, this could have happened to me or family members or a lot of really cool women who I know and love, you know? And yeah. Um, it's just makes me so angry. You know, I just feel like nothing was done or if it was done, then just show me, show me what was done. Show me the records. That's all, you know? So this is just an ongoing project. And do you have a date that you might be finished? I don't, I still need a lot of help. I need money. I need, you know, we are going to get the records apparently we, after the hearing yesterday. So I've got to get the records, you know, I can't, the film needs an ending. And while I've, mm-hmm. I've been working on it hard since 2017, obviously we would love to say, well, this is what happened, you know, but even if that's not the case, uh, you know, I'd love it to be soon because it's been a long time, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, but we shall see. I also know with documentaries, they're on their own time. You know, you kind of can't dictate to them if you want it to come out really well, you know. Right. Uh, where can people find well, Fight Like a Girl, as well as your other films, are they in one spot? Well, Fight Like a Girl is on Amazon. YouTube has a show called Real Stories, and it's it's on that. It's on some other platforms. Those are the easiest ones. And then Stripped, my first film that has Susan in it, is um, it's mm-hmm. on my website, jillmorley.com. It's hidden because <laughs> uh, when I, it's my first film. I didn't know what I was doing. The production value is horrible, but... <laughs> The women are amazing and the story is great. It was one of my film schools that was, you know, film 101 for me. And then this last film was film 102. <laughs> so if you can put up with the production values, I think. In, but at the same time, the raw and grittiness of it and the fact that, you know, that, you know, I was a stripper at that time. And I'm basically taking you around to see my friends and to see what we, mm-hmm. we go through. And really what it's about is how hard it is to quit. And how hard it is to go from that life to a, quote, normal life, unquote. And, you know, sometimes like for people like me, I I felt like I suffered some, I shouldn't say suffer, I put myself in that position, but that it affected me. And I had to come back from certain things that happened. Hmm, Interesting. Fascinating, Jill. Well, you know, I know our listeners are completely inspired right now, like I am. And I just wanted to say to our listeners, 
If you want to do a watch party on Fight Like a Girl, let us know in the Hazard Girls Facebook group and we can make that happen. We can watch it together and, and discuss it. Maybe Jill will join us. Sure. That's amazing. All right. Well, Jill Morley, thank you so much for joining us on the Hazard Girls podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you today. Oh, thanks, Emily. It was great talking with you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.